Shouldn't we be doing this show? You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life. It's episode 207. It is August 8th, 2019. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam, we have so much to talk about this week. Yes, we really do. And as always, so much we can't talk about. Start with the G1. It's killing me. (laughs) Home stretch. I woke up from a coma to do this program tonight. (laughs) (laughs) After 30 days. (laughs) Your Your boy is tired. (laughs) These are the things I look for in a young MD. <laughs> I have a wrestling question. podcast. <laughs> Why? <laughs> All right. Um, G1 has been an excellent tournament, but the fact that it takes place in a time zone that is 13 or 14 hours behind my own or ahead of my own. Um, it's made it quite challenging for me <laughs> to to cover and enjoy. <laughs> what do you think I, of the G1 this year? Yeah, I mean, it's been excellent. Uh, there's usually at least one excellent professional wrestling match every single night, usually more than one on most nights. I do think, and this is for a person that only watches the top matches and gets to watch them at his leisure because it's not my job, uh, I kind of hit a wall this week where it's uh, like post Okada Sonata. I'm just like, I don't know if I can tell what is good anymore because everything's good. And like, I can't, like, I think still Moxley Ishii and Okada Osprey are still like the peaks of this for me. But I had, you know, I also I was talking to people on Twitter this week. I did a poll just seeing what people liked from this weekend's G1 show and, uh, a couple of people told me that uh, Okada Sonata was their favorite match of the whole tournament. And I said, wow, uh, I believe you. I just, I, I feel like maybe I've hit a wall and I, I can no longer separate like the great from the good, if that makes sense. It absolutely does. Like there are very, very few uh, bad, bad matches in this tournament. And just, to your point, this past weekend we had Okada and Sonata, and another match that I can't even remember that everybody loved. What the hell was it? Uh, Naito uh, no. and Shingo Takagi was the other one. Correct. And they were both really great matches, but I liked Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kota Ibushi the best out of the whole weekend, just because it felt like a passing of the torch moment to me. Um, you know. I'm not gonna write uh, Tanahashi off because every time you do, he just comes back and <laughs> <laughs> has has another twelve star match or whatever. But yeah, um, it certainly felt like it was the end of Tanahashi as one hundred percent of the time main eventer. Um, 
you know, on their Mount Rushmore, whatever, in their Pantheon. And with Ibushi signed to a lifetime contract, it seems like Ibushi is going to take that spot. But, uh, and so I like that the most. But to your point, there's just so much good stuff. You can't possibly. (laughs) Yeah. You can't, you can't possibly, uh, begin to, to determine, (laughs) to determine what's good, what's great and what's just good. It's so, it's all so good. Yeah, and that's, I mean, what a, you know, what a first world problem here uh, for us to deal with. But yeah, it's, it's, so I don't, I don't have a great deal of uh, further thoughts. Like, like, like we already covered uh, the top three matches from this past week. And yeah, there's been, there's been plenty of good matches. Uh, I liked, um, yeah, I I really, really enjoyed uh, Yano and Ishii. Yano has been a real, I think, breath of fresh air in this whole tournament, just because his, his matches are short and different, and uh, a nice break from the uh, the you know, heavyweight strong style. But uh, yeah, it's been a great tournament, um, and uh, we're 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 getting into the home stretch now. We're almost done. Yep. So um, all of our picks still look pretty good. It's Okada and Ibushi still alive in the A block. And they wrestle on the last night of their block. And I don't know this, but it looks like... I mean, everyone's basically still alive in the B block, but it comes down to uh, Naito and Jay White wrestle on the last night of that block. And it would make sense that that would be the... uh, that that would be the the match for the B block. So uh, I think we, we both picked Ibushi, or I picked Ibushi and you picked Okada. I can't remember. I believe we both picked Ibushi for the A block. All right, and for the B block, I picked Naito and you picked Jay White. So we're we're pretty good here. Yeah, Jay made me nervous because he lost like his first four matches. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to be made a fool on this show by Jay White of all people, but thankfully he's battled back. Uh, and uh yeah it's it'll it'll the finals will be really good are the finals on the same night as SummerSlam? yeah they're they're uh two in the morning eastern time goodness <laughs> what a night it's also my birthday i'm going to die on my birthday <laughs> happy birthday <laughs> colon you're, r.i.p you're dead right <laughs> I, i'm just gonna die it's <laughs> It's all right. It's I'm not even sad about it. <laughs> there are worse ways to go, I suppose. <laughs> so, um, part of the reason I'm going to die is because there's NXT Takeover on Saturday. So the weekend goes uh, goes G1 Takeover. Hang on, is that right? <laughs> Uh, so is these there, are the A and there, B block finals. Yeah. So that's the uh yeah tenth and eleventh yeah. So yeah. So uh Saturday Saturday. Jeez, this sucks so bad. <laughs> Who could keep it all straight? Right. So you get uh on Saturday you have a takeover and a. G1 show 
Hang on, I can figure this out. <laughs> I hate this. I hate we that have, I'm doing we this have, right now. We have big Meltzer energy going on right now. We sure do. Okay, so Saturday morning at 5 a.m. Eastern, there's a G1 show. Okay. N- NXT TakeOver is at 7 p.m. Eastern. All right? <laughs> sure. Sunday morning at 5 a.m., there's a New Japan show. Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. is SummerSlam. <laughs> Monday morning at 2 a.m. is New Japan. <laughs> Oof. That's, that's a full weekend. Yeah. So let's talk about this TakeOver show. I know usually you, you catch up on your NXT TV the week of these TakeOvers, and I don't. And... Uh, <laughs> I just watched the takeovers and have a great time. Um, there's five matches on this show. All of them um, stand to be pretty good. Obviously, four title matches. And then Candice and Io are on the show as well. Io is a heel now. Candice is like, if you built a baby face in a lab, you come out with Candice LeRae. <laughs> uh, Candice and Io... Uh, Shayna Baszler and Mia Yim for the NXT Women's title. Uh, the Velveteen Dream versus Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong in a triple threat. Street Profits versus the Undisputed Era for the tag titles. And Adam Cole Bebe against Johnny Gargano in a three stages of hell, two out of three falls match <laughs> uh, for the NXT title. Crowd should be molten hot. And the show should be pretty good, too. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, on paper, it looks like it could be uh, one of the best takeovers ever, uh, maybe. And it's just a ton of really great workers. Obviously, the storyline for almost this entire year in NXT is at the start of the year, Adam Cole predicted that all four members of the Undisputed Era would have gold at the same time. And that hasn't happened and all of the Undisputed Era are in title matches this year. So I would imagine either they all win, because Hunter or Helmsley is running this promotion and heels <laughs> win a lot, and they uh, fulfill their their quest, or one, they, they lose one of the three matches, uh, and I would guess it would be one of the singles matches, since the Street Profits are apparently on the main roster now. Um, and either Roddy or Cole is turned on by the other three. Ooh, interesting. They were teasing dissension earlier this summer and then sort of backed off of it, and it just feels like to me they they this is a slow burn thing. And I think I mean the mo the way they were playing it up was that Roddy was the one that was gonna strike out on his own, but I mean that could be a you know a, a bit of a swerve there, and it could actually be Cole could be the one that gets turned on. But either way, I think I think there will be <laughs> either they'll all win. Or there will be a turn. Interesting. I like that. Uh, does Johnny Wrestling get his title back? Um, it's tough, man, because I don't know. I don't know what what where they go. They have so many people just sitting around in NXT right now. The you know the Kashidas, the Keith Lee's, Punishment Martinez. I refuse to learn his new name, and. <laughs> Uh, you know they, they're doing this breakout tournament with you know, Trevor Lee and ACH and all these other guys. They they have so much talent that you'd think it would be time to call some people up, even if some of them end up on you know 205 or whatever or 
you shuffle a few other people off to NXT UK like they did with uh, Cassius Ono and people like that. But yeah, it kind of feels like this has to be the end of like this should probably either be the end of Johnny Gargano in NXT or he's got to win the belt and then he's going to stay there for like another year. And then like undisputed era has to get called up or something, or Adam Cole at least has to get called up. Yeah, I buy that. That sounds good to me. So that is Saturday night's show. (laughs) Sunday morning's show is the, the uh, B block final. Sunday afternoon slash evening show is Summer SummerSlam. The Summerfest has returned. I guess if we're looking for a bright spot here, it's that this original, you know, 14, 15 match show. They did a bunch of those show of those matches on TV this week. Like we were told Sami Zayn and Aleister Black is likely going to be on SummerSlam. They did it on TV this week. We were told there was going to be a women's tag team title match, and they did it on Raw this week. This happened several times this week. So uh, as we sit here on, as we record late on Wednesday into Thursday, there are only ten matches official for this sh- for this show. But given how they block out and time out their big shows, there's only one match in each half hour window. So we're still looking at you know a solid four or five four or five hour show yeah (laughs) yeah we'll be uh we'll be quite fortunate if this uh you know if it's only four and a half instead of the full five but uh yeah it's it's on paper there's some stuff i think to look forward to and we can get into it as we go match by match but um i don't know it's it's tough to get excited about any of these big four just uh, shows just because you know it's going to be such a slog to get through. Well, for me, there's only w- one one and a half matches that I'm kind of interested in seeing on the show. <laughs> um, like they've done, the rest is a combination of either bad booking uh, with or uh, mixing and matching competitors that I don't want to see wrestle each other. Or just storytelling storytelling that's actively put me off of of the feuds. They've talked you out of the building. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, so we'll we can talk about this as, as we go. Uh, Drew Gulak and Oni Lorcan for the cruiserweight title. I would assume that ends up on the pre-show, um, but I don't know. Uh, Oni. Oni has a certain something, and he's actually better on Twitter, I think, than on television. I wouldn't know. He blocked me. Really? Yeah, because I said I didn't like how he hit people in the face so hard, and ah. so he blocked me. I didn't. To, to be clear, I never tweet at people with criticism. Yeah. So he was vanity searching. And second of all, uh, like a week after he blocked me, he broke Hideo Tommy's nose on an NXT taping. I so, remember this. I remember this now. I didn't, you know, I didn't until you said it. But I'm gonna put that one in the wind column for me. One or both of us is usually right. <laughs> I have no, I have no thoughts about the match itself, for the record. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I'm sure it'll, I'm sure it'll be fine. It'll, it'll be a, a 
cruiserweight title match on the show that's technically very good and no one in the audience cares about. Yep. Toronto's own, a member of my wrestling Mount Rushmore, <laughs> my close personal friend, WWE Hall of Famer Trish Stratus, my longtime friend, taking <laughs> on Charlotte Flair in the singles match. They let Trish get her comeback, apparently, and slap Charlotte. They just did it a week too late. Uh, <laughs> Trish is on TV this week. She didn't wrestle, even though she was in a match. I would like to see her get a win here and then have a little run, and then she can give the win back at some point uh, because they desperately need women that are over uh, to wrestle their champions, but that's typically not how they do things. Uh, That's actually kind of an idea you gave me. I just assumed, oh, she's coming in to lose. but (laughs) Probably. I think that's probably a safe bet. I do think it would be smart to do for the reasons you mentioned they don't have a lot of women that are ready for either champion so if you can slide her into a program with either of the champions that sounds great and if you have her on a little basically what they did with goldberg type run where she's doesn't necessarily mean she has to be on every single show for the next six months or whatever but yeah you ever get a win here she comes back in a month or two has another win, you put her in a title match and say at the Rumble, she wins the belt there and then she drops the belt uh, to Charlotte or whoever at the at WrestleMania and, and she has like a nice little six or seven month run. That would be what I would do. But uh, uh, it she is in her hometown and she's the legend and she's wrestling the woman who they are determined to make the greatest female wrestling star of all mm-hmm. time. So I assume Charlotte is going to win clean, probably by submission, and then uh, Trish will endorse her after the match. You know they got Becky's opponent picked out already for WrestleMania, right? Yeah, it's Stephanie. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Bill Goldberg returned on this show, and he's going to wrestle Dolph Ziggler. Uh, I liked the segment at the end of Raw where they revealed this to the television audience, even though it was kind of a double swerve that didn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> like, they teased that it was going to be Shawn Michaels all this time, and then it just b- makes you want to see Shawn Michaels and Dolph Ziggler in theory. In practicality, I don't want to see Shawn Michaels wrestle ever again. But that's the the, the psychology, anyway. And then they just double swerve you, and they bring out Bill Goldberg. Now, I don't, I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense, but I like the segment. What did you think about the Goldberg coming back to kill your boy Dolph? It's great. <laughs> I'm so excited to watch Bill Goldberg no-sell Dolph's finish and spear the hell out of him on Sunday. It's going to be great. Yeah. You think? Did you hate the, uh, or the machinations of the double swerve as much as I did, or do you not care? I mean, I just I thought it was very clear that Sean's never wrestling again. And I feel like even... <laughs> non-hardcore fans know that based on the fact that the whole, that most of the crowd was chanting Goldberg before his music hit um, and before Sean said that it's not him. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. That is probably a recipe if you tease that and you're in front of the wrong crowd and they're expecting Sean and then Goldberg comes out. I guess, I guess that could have been bad under 
under different circumstances. But yeah, I think people just kind of figured, well, it's not going to be Sean. And Dolph's mentioned Goldberg in every single promo he's cut for the last six weeks because they're unbelievably unsubtle. <laughs> and uh, so I think people just kind of figured it out and were like, yeah, it'll, it's going to be Goldberg. So and maybe they were just happy that it's not Miz. Yeah. Yeah, Miz gets him on Raw the next night. Yes. <laughs> AJ Styles and Ricochet. Uh, I would have been really excited to see this match uh, three months ago. And then I've seen it three or four times on TV, and the creative has made me actively less interested in AJ Styles and Ricochet. Not to mention the fact that, as you started pointing out about two years ago, AJ Styles ain't really AJ Styles no more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, AJ Styles and Ricochet for the U.S. title. Seems like they're they're getting some steam behind uh, these the this OC faction. Don't call and, it that. Sorry. And for for that reason, it seems like a bad time to beat AJ. But on the other hand, they've been booking baby face. They've been trying to book baby face as well this year to mix mis- mixed results. Got <laughs> um, a sense of which way to go with this one? I think the finish of this could depend on what they're doing with Seth. Mm. Because if Seth. I think maybe either way, Seth and AJ is going to be the fall program. And hmm. so if Seth wins the universal title back, then AJ probably drops the belt to Ricochet here so that he can go feud for the big belt. Hmm. Or if Brock is champion and there's no universal title on the show for the next four months or whatever, then AJ probably keeps it and Seth and him feud for the U.S. title. So I think that's, again, that's not any inside information, of course. That's just my inkling and the fact that they don't really have any other heels ready for after SummerSlam for for Seth seemingly um especially because obviously Brian's going to be working Roman and um there's I mean unless I don't I I can't think of anyone else I I mean I'm sick to death of the idea of them putting Mr. Excitement Drew McIntyre in that spot so (laughs) um yeah I I just get the feeling they're going they're going to go to AJ and Seth for uh for the fall and so depending on what whether or not Seth wins in the main event, that would also probably determine whether or not AJ wins here. Your logic is sound. Finn Balor is wrestling The Fiend on this show. I would really like if uh, Bray Wyatt just did vignettes forever and didn't mm-hmm. wrestle and didn't wrestle no more. How about you? Yeah, maybe he could be like a manager, like he could get a new monster, and he could be like, uh, like if he did his wacky talk show, and then he's like, when the fiend is coming out, it's revealed to be, you know, I don't know, some <laughs> someone else, uh, Luke Harper, I don't know, uh, <laughs> almost literally anyone else. Uh, Punishment I, Martinez. Sure, great, great point right there, great pick, and 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 Bray's just his like wacky weird manager from here on out and maybe they're a tag team sometimes but for the most part bray's just talking and uh, punishment or whoever does all the wrestling sounds great but the historical downfall of bray wyatt other than them beating him like a drum every time he went up against a main event star is that eventually he has to wrestle and he's not particularly 
good in an era where you kind of need to be. And so he just becomes less and less special. The more, you know, the more he's around, the less special he is. And that's generally always been the downfall of Bray. So we'll see. Um, they've given him obviously a very fresh coat of paint and a new, a new move. He's using the mandible claw now. Um, so maybe they'll, they'll really think outside the box and, and, and let him, you know, be real vicious and different than anybody else's. But my feeling is eventually he's going to be wrestling at like 10, 20 PM on raw, uh, doing chin locks and, you know, within a few <laughs> months. So. Um, it's hard for me to get excited about a Bray Wyatt match in any in any form at this stage. It's hard for me to get behind a character called the Fiend. That name. Oh, is that his nickname? That name. That name is really terrible. They say it thirteen times. Yeah. And every time they bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Cole loves saying it. <laughs> yep. Tom Phillips loves it too. He's. Yeah. It's Finn Balor versus The Fiend Bray Wyatt. This is the first time ever The Fiend has been wrestling. Can Finn Balor tangle with The Fiend? You know, it'll just be in succession like that. It's right. incredibly annoying. So we, Anyway, yeah. Bray will win with the Mandible Claw, and Finn will take some time off. Right. Finn's taking time off. Maybe he's going to go get married. Yeah. Uh, maybe he's not a bad boyfriend anymore. I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, he was very clearly a bad boyfriend to Kathy Kelly, to Queen Kathy. Because what what other reason could there have been? <laughs> like, how could those two people like not you know make it right? Like one yes. of them has one of them has to be bad at at being in a relationship, and of the two, I'm going with Balor. Yeah, yeah, that's because otherwise it would be Queen Kathy's fault, and that can't be right. Exactly. Right. Um, talking about the announcers there very briefly. Uh, Corey Graves was off SmackDown for a couple weeks, and uh, Byron was too. I don't know why Graves was off. I don't remember. But Byron was off, obviously, because he lost his father, which I, was tragic. Yes. Um, but they brought Otunga back, and Otunga can uh, just like to remind everyone of my David Otunga impression. Uh, could you could you pretend to be Tom Phillips for a minute and uh, set set up me as David Otunga set me up with a line? Yes. And here's Roman Reigns. He's building momentum, David. Tom, do you like cashew nuts? <laughs> <laughs> That's my David Otunga David Otunga impression. Uh, he's historically not been very good at commentary, but after a couple of weeks off from uh, the Graves slash Byron show, Boy, was that a breath of fresh air, having a guy who was just kind of bad at commentary on that show mm-hmm. instead of someone that makes you want to, like, either rip your ears off or mute the television. <laughs> yeah. So, regardless, I think Graves, at one point, he understood, like, the role of heel color commentator and was moving towards being really good at it. But now he just, like yells and he just is a contrarian all the time and just makes everything a lot less pleasant to listen to (laughs) yeah i thought it was really uh during i think it was like during one of the it was like mandy's entrance or something and he always freaks out when mandy comes out which is fine it's a funny little bit 
But then, like, Renee's trying to talk about the match, and he's literally shouting, Renee, Renee, shut up, shut up, just as loud as he can. Yeah. Just, just awful. It's just awful television. It's awful commentary. And, yeah, that's always the thing. If the, heel, if the loud, bombastic heel color commentator has a baby face that's going to tell him off repeatedly and, and shut him up occasionally, then great. But when it's just him shouting all the time and shouting over the play-by-play guy, shouting over the other color commentator, it's really quite dreadful. <laughs> yep. Sure is. He did. He cracked uh, Cole up this week, though. And he, he was he does have like one funny line every week. <laughs> sure. I, I'm not saying despite my uh, my previous feelings <laughs> with him on social media, I don't think he's completely without talent or anything. And there was a time, as you said, that I think he was he was very good and maybe on his way to being great. And that time has just passed. <laughs> Some of it's overexposure, too. You know, maybe we don't need eight hours of Corey Graves yelling at us every week. <laughs> yeah, we really don't. <laughs> All right. Um, Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton are wrestling for the WWE title. They could tell a nice story here. I just don't care about it. Okay, I'll kind of disagree with you here. Uh, okay. A rare disagreement on the show. Yeah. I really like almost everything they've done with this feud. Um, mm. I don't, I don't love the part where they play up that Randy Orton used his backstage uh, stroke to get Kofi like held down mm-hmm. um, because Kofi was in like 18 Money in the Bank matches and lost all of them. And I'm sure he was in other elimination chambers and stuff and lost those matches. So the idea that like, well, like unless Randy Orton was like paying off the ref to fast count all of your matches that you lost when you were a mid carder and a tag team guy, that doesn't really make sense in a wrestling context to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, they've really played up this idea that 10 years ago, Kofi was on the cusp and Randy was the guy who sent him back down to the mid card and he had to scratch and claw to get to the top now again. And now he's on the top and he is this great fighting champion. And here comes Randy to try to knock him back down one more time. But now he's, you know, he's not the same wrestler he was 10 years ago. And so it's the, this is his, uh, this is the final boss for, for Kofi Kingston. It feels like on, on his route to becoming like, the the legitimate main eventer is he's got to he's got to pin Randy Orton with his kick and and defeat him soundly and prove that he really is a, a legit main eventer from here on out. It would that would be a nice story if that's what they're gonna do. I just don't have any faith that Kofi's gonna win. <laughs> Randy's going over clean. I mean, what's that note in Vince's Vince's notebook that every yes, other I... page every other page. <laughs> says push orton (laughs) yes push orton more in all caps (laughs) (sighs) even though randy's like part-time and pretty much is like (laughs) on vacation constantly yeah he took like the last two weeks of the the build for SummerSlam off he just hasn't been on on television the last couple of weeks yeah um so yeah i i like like i say i'm if (laughs) i will say I reserve the right to change my mind if Randy Orton wins, but if this is, you know, what it should be, which is a big definitive statement for Kofi, 
um, then I think it's one of the better stories that WWE has told in a long time. And I, I often marvel at how little they have screwed up when it comes to Kofi. Other than making Dolph wrestle him for two straight pay-per-views, there isn't a lot they've <laughs> done with Kofi that I was like, that's terrible, you're ruining him. Like, they've done a really good job. And the simplicity is, he cuts promos, he talks about how he's a fighting champion, he's going to fight really hard, and with the fans' help, he's going to win. And then he wins. And that's it. Because this-ish isn't hard. Yeah, they somehow managed to make everything rocket science but yeah i agree with i agree with you there uh shocking i know uh, <laughs> kevin owens and shane mcmahon another one that if we were to get the result that makes sense i would be happy about you know kevin beats shane shane goes away forever but they've like so telegraphed that they're doing the rock mankind thing where shane plays a recording of kevin owens saying he quits and we get you know Eight more weeks of Shane all over every show, up and down, up and down, you know, 14 segments a show. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't have great faith in this um, for the reasons you've just laid out. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I wish I'm a big Kevin Owens fan. I wish him well. Uh, he's done his he's done his very best to uh, to make chicken sh- chicken salad out of, uh, of, of this chicken ish, as the phrasing goes. But uh, yeah, not don't have high hopes for a what is sure to be like a 30 minute one on one wrestling contest between Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon. I also I don't think the stunner is helping Kevin Owens. Like it just points out that he's an inferior version of Steve Austin. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty on the nose, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like at least they kind of zigged when you thought they would zag and gave Becky like the rock bottom as her like number two finisher now. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a third, <laughs> another <laughs> Attitude Era finisher uh, he could have used. But, uh, a famouser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> what was Road Dog's finish? The pump handle slam? I guess that's what Becky uses. Oh, so Becky's doing a Road Dog tribute with that move. I didn't realize that. She's doing no pump handle. It's a, a pump, it's a pump handle into a Uranagi. They call it the man handle slam. She doesn't do a very good job of making it a pump handle. I don't know. They just, they, I'm just telling you what they call it on television. I'm telling you what she calls it, Ethan. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, Bailey's wrestling Ember Moon. You would never know it, by the way, but this feud's been booked. But Bailey's the champion, and Ember Moon is the weak challenger going for the title. And they've gone out of their way at every turn to make sure that like Alexa Bliss is the star <laughs> of this of this Bailey and Ember Moon feud for some well, reason. Well, Alexa and Nikki were getting the tag belt, so they had to get a big win <laughs> leading into that. <laughs> this is like how on one show where you have a baby face like Kofi Kingston that you just pointed out they've done a really good job of booking for like six months now. How could you have that baby face and then Ember Moon, who is a baby face on this on this show, who is booked to look like a dweeb and like a loser at every turn in this in the build up to this match with Bailey and Bailey, who's also a baby face, is booked like a total dick who just 
just like hits Ember with her finish any chance she gets. Like this. Well, this Ember hits her with her finish first. This sucks. <laughs> hey, Ember got that big roll up win over Charlotte a couple weeks ago. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> this really sucks. No, I'm I'm not seriously going to try to defend it, but this should this should be like worst feud of the year. Um, no, because Becky and Lacey Evans was four months long, and this will probably <laughs> be over after Sunday. So I absolutely refuse to accept that. But you're right; it hasn't been good. And as far as them having a match on this show, this feels like the match where they're going to get CM Punk chance and. Maybe to combat that, this should go on like first or second, maybe. You should well, and and you should you know you should do the thing where like Ember just comes out and hits her move and pins her. Like that's how I'm booking this. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Bailey's winning, but well, what then Bailey should do it. Let's just complete the burial then. <laughs> yeah, might as well. There's no need. There's no need for them to do a back and forth wrestling match. No, I, I would generally agree. I, I would keep it short, whatever they do. And like I said, I would try to keep it on. But if it's going, let's say, more than six minutes, then I would put it on, like, first or second. No argument for me. Uh, Becky is defending her title against Natty in uh, in Toronto. I, they've kind of been trying to make it so the Toronto crowd might boo Becky and cheer Natty. The problem with that is Becky is still kind of over and Natty is not. <laughs> um, boy, have they cooled off Becky, by the way. Some of that is because they don't have anybody, they didn't have anybody ready. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they had Charlotte and Rhonda and Charlotte went to the other brand and Rhonda went home. And, uh, you know, they haven't really tried to get, you know, Sasha Banks went home and Ronda, uh, Ruby Riot went to uh, get both of her shoulders operated on. <laughs> and they have they spent four months doing Lacey Evans stuff. But meanwhile, they had no one winning matches like on the undercard to get ready. <laughs> nope. So we're left with Natty, who's not really over and who up until, you know, winning a match to be a challenger for Becky's title was like routinely losing falls in like tag matches on raw every week. And now she's suddenly challenging for the title. Like they've, they've really cooled Becky off and I don't, I don't know if the crowd is going to react a whole lot to this period, let alone react the way they want them to. I think it'll still get a good reaction because it's going to be a hardcore crowd. You'll have some people traveling and you also have the you know Canadian crowds in general are generally pretty hot. And they've, I mean, they've tried, if you eliminate the part where they didn't give Natty any wins before she was number one contender, <laughs> that minor detail, I think they've tried really hard to push this as like a big serious feud. And it's, uh, you know, it's either let off the show or, or been put in important segments. And, and they've they've tried a little bit with this. Um, I don't think making it a submission match is helpful because that eliminates your ability to do near falls, <laughs> which is all WWE wrestling matches are, um, is you, you know, you do a little bit of wrestling and then you go to, you know, 10 minutes of near falls. 
and they right. can't do near falls because it's a submission match. So I maybe question that more than uh, more than almost anything else about this. Um, if they want Natty cheered, uh, they need to have Brett in her corner. That's to me the only way you're getting like a really solid reaction for Natalia. Yeah, you could do a little spot there with with uh, Brett and Becky too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I like. Yeah, and he's he's uh he's he's doing a meet and greet or something. <laughs> he's back in the family. <laughs> yeah, this wrestling war is great already. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Nobody can afford to be mean to my favorite wrestler anymore. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Brett's gonna be in town. So. Yeah, they may as well do something like that. They, to your point too, this is how you book a weak challenger. How they booked Natty, not how you, they booked Ember. Right. So, they don't. They, they don't point out <laughs> repeatedly what a weak challenger she is. Right, and she's left Becky laying and like selling her legs like two of the last three weeks. Yeah. Pretty simple. Pretty simple when you get right down to it. Yep. Brock and Seth Rollins for the Universal title is the uh, tenth announced match on this show. Seth did some. I'm doing the Kent, the Kate Blanchett thing where she touches her neck. Nah. <laughs> Seth did some acting on Raw this week, and it was really bad. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. Brock and Seth. I, is Seth uh, guaranteed a win in like the least babyface guarantee way ever because uh, he's he's bad act, bad at acting, but uh, I mean babyface guarantees. I mean that's that's pretty it's pretty cut and dried that you know Seth's winning and they didn't do the spoiler line this week, right? So that's true, and just because they made him such a dork and such a loser on Monday. It feels like, oh, he's got to be winning because they wouldn't they couldn't possibly kill him, like have him get killed two weeks in a row that badly and then still lose. Like, unless you're turning him heel or something <laughs> like or you're firing him. And I don't think either of those are <laughs> happening because you cannot have him get destroyed two weeks in a row, especially the way he got destroyed this Monday when he just looked like a complete idiot. It's not even like. He had an advantage for a second, and then Paul distracted him, and Brock hit him in the injured ribs, and then took over. So you now he just walked down, and Brock beat his ass. Yeah. And he looked like an idiot, and the crowd was wetting him and booing as he tried to do his uh, his his sad but determined uh, underdog <laughs> speech after the after the break. Um, and as someone who's not a big fan of Seth Rollins the person, this has all been great for me. <laughs> but if you're looking at it that you want to like have a character that you could root for, this has been terrible. <laughs> so uh, yeah, either Seth needs to win here, or you need to like send Seth to NXT UK or something and rebuild him <laughs> for six months because you cannot let him lose to Brock after <laughs> after he uh, after the last two weeks of television. All right, it's time. That's uh, that's SummerSlam. It's this Sunday on the award-winning WWE Network. Uh, it's time for a little potpourri, a little grab bag here. Uh, Triple Mania. It was, it was almost disappointing because it was good, mostly. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I watched Triple Mania to be uh, amused, and right. instead it was just like a pretty good wrestling show. <laughs> so a little disappointed. Um, Biggest bloodbath of the year. 
Yes, they they somehow managed to outdo uh, Dustin and Cody. Tell you what, whatever you want to say about that, and I am not a fan of bloodbaths, and I don't ever need to see guys cut themselves or hit each other so hard in the face that they break, that you bust open for real. That was the most I have watched a wrestling match and thought, this is a fight. This is not a fake pro wrestling match. And of all things, it was a lucha match, but it was two old, angry men just wailing on each other. Blue Demon Jr. grabbed that just like a ball-peen hammer and just started smashing Dr. Wagner with it at one point. It was just fascinating. And yes, it was disgusting and bloody, but it was also the most... Like, uh, I don't know, it, it, felt, it felt real. It felt like a real vicious grudge match between two guys that really, really hated each other. And those don't really exist in wrestling anymore. So I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't give it my full uh, endorsement, but I will remember it forever because of that. So. And uh, Cain Velasquez also looked great in his... Uh, his six man with, with Psycho Clown. And all this time I was fantasy booking that Kane would wrestle the Psycho Clown or my favorite, the Murder Clown. But <laughs> instead he teamed, he befriended the clowns instead and uh, ended up winning the match in, the, in there. So uh, yeah, Kane, Kane looked great in his pro wrestling debut. And I saw maybe the most memorable grudge match I'm likely to see in the next five years or so of professional wrestling. Good, good stuff. What is the what is the best possible name for a wrestler, and why is it Murder Clown? <laughs> That's it. That's the one. <laughs> yep, sure is. Harley Race passed away. Um, Harley's a guy that, when I was a very young child, uh, was on WWF TV, and I didn't get why this fat old guy um, was 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 on TV and why he was being pushed. <laughs> and then, like, you know, as you grow up and you learn about Harley Race and you watch uh, NWA stuff and WCW stuff to a lesser degree. And you get the aura of Harley Race a little bit. Uh, makes a whole lot more sense. Yeah, definitely. And it's kind of one of those things where he seems to. Like, he's a little because so much of his, you know, his greatness was in the 70s, it seems like. Even your, you know, your most ardent fan, or it, we kind of don't go a lot further back than like Flair and Dusty, and obviously Hogan you know, on the WWF side. Um, so, and I'm obviously there's guys like Bruno and Backlund and Harley that get mentioned, but um, they don't maybe they don't come up as often and like oh the greatest of the great uh, debates, just because I think and part of that is maybe because WWE owns almost all of the footage and yeah and they, there's not there's also not a ton of there's not there's not nowhere near as much footage correct of anybody pre-83 than <laughs> than there is post right so and obviously harley was was in wwf during the you know the the height of the horsemen and all that for the most part so he isn't he wasn't necessarily always portrayed as like one of you know one of the you know, three or four greatest of all time or anything but when you interview guys who were around him and uh you know wrestled him or got to meet him in that era it's very clear that he had uh you know the respect and and the and the admiration of pretty much everybody that knew him everybody that worked with him and 
didn't didn't see uh, anybody say anything bad about Harley Race uh, as he passed this weekend and or this past week. And uh, yeah, it's uh, obviously sad. He's had he's had a lot of health issues over the last couple of years that have kind of been uh, you know pretty well documented. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a shame. But I mean, yeah, certainly one of the one of the greatest wrestlers that's ever lived. One of the most influential. Uh, you know, you watch you watch a Hunter Hearst Helmsley match. Um, you see a lot of Harley race and, uh, a lot of the, he, they talked about how he, and, uh, Dave Meltzer talked about how he inspired a lot of the guys who worked in Calgary. And I think that's the reason why did I make kid did that flying headbutt was because of Harley race. So, um, and then of course, you know, someone like dynamite kid goes on to inspire an entire, another generation of, of professional wrestlers. So even if he isn't necessarily your favorite wrestler, he might be your favorite wrestler's favorite wrestler. So uh, a, a a great great man uh, by all accounts, and uh, yeah, very sad that he, he passed away at a relatively young age of uh, I think he was what seventy eight, seventy six maybe. Yeah, I think you might be right, but yeah, it is you know mid mid to late seventies, but uh, yeah, certainly uh, sad sad that it happened so soon, but uh, it's it's always nice when the when you see the 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 admiration and and just the absolute love and support and of course he had his, his training school and there are still people today and in pretty much every company in the world that uh worked with him or worked in his training school so uh yeah just uh one of one of the most impactful people i think that's ever been in wrestling without question harley race all right um let's see what else there's is there anything else that we need to get into because like there's a G1 show starting and in like five hours that I need. <laughs> no, we. we <laughs> I need we gotta, to prepare we gotta for. Get it. Out of here. <laughs> all right, sounds good. Uh, all right, so this is our last new show. Uh, for a while too, by the way. Uh, we have, uh, one evergreen show in in the bank, and we might be able to get another one done. Uh. To kind of fill out the rest of content in uh, in the month of August, as uh, both of us are traveling uh, <laughs> for various reasons. Yes, we'll, so, uh, we'll we'll try to get one done, but if not, there will be at least one more show in August from us, and then we will go from there. So stay tuned to at uh, TWL underscore podcast on Twitter, and I'll uh, I'll keep you guys abreast of uh, whatever's going on. Alrighty, sounds good. So till next time, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. We'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter, 
at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. Live, Liam Renner is recording the call. Nice. Yes. All right. What a breakthrough we've had. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, you know, hopefully it's, you already sound much better than on Google Hangouts, so hopefully. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe there's something to the fact that every other person that records podcasts over <laughs> over the internet uses Skype, and we've been using the the system that Google stopped updating in 2015. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So, uh, did you see uh, Chris Davis try to go after Brandon Hyde tonight? No. Neither did I, because I was asleep. But, um... <laughs> there's only apparently a, a quick gif of it uh, on the interweb, but... Hyde said something Davis didn't like. Hyde turned and walked down the tunnel. Davis had to be restrained by the hitting coach and Trumbo from chasing him down the tunnel. Oh, (laughs) cool. Yeah, I guess uh, Davis did that. You see him do the flip thing with his glove the other night or said it taking the ball out of his glove and underhanding it to the pitcher, he just flipped it out straight out of the glove? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've seen him do that before. I, I don't know if I saw him do it the other night, but yes, I'm familiar. Okay, so he did that the other night. And then apparently he missed a, a uh, he missed picking a ball out of the dirt at first base tonight. But then later in that inning, he did the glove flip thing again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I guess the speculation is that Hyde said something about him not being able to dig the ball out of the dirt at first base, but I don't know. I see. And I doubt we'll ever know, you know, the full story. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's, I don't know. I guess that's, that's something (laughs) happened, you know. Yeah, they lost 14 to 1. They're losing 14 to 1 going to the bottom of the ninth, but yeah. Best best relief pitcher is a utility infielder. Mm-hmm. Nobody can hit that slow ball, man. No. David Hess is uh, second in the major leagues in home runs allowed. He's allowed 28 in... <laughs> he's allowed 28. Justin Verlander is first. He's allowed 29. Uh, Hess has thrown 82 and two-thirds fewer innings than Verlander. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, oh man. Hess is like if you cast a guy to play a pitcher, <laughs> he fits the bill, you know. Uh-huh. It's kind of broad shoulder like Arietta. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he's really bad at the actual pitching part. Yeah, and I and I get the argument that like, well, there's no one better, or they'd be up here. 
Right. But is there anyone worse? Because maybe we could just try <laughs> different bad for a while. Like, right. Uh, instead of I just the same bad. I try to keep on keeping on.